welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Well, we may have a men's meeting today. We have Craig and Chris and Dennis and Don. Good to have everyone. Good to have Donnie on with us today, sir. Thank you for joining us. We're we're glad you're here. I know you listen. I'm glad you had the time to join us. Craig, tell everyone about the Facebook group, if you would, please. We post things to the group on Facebook. Buddy posts serious stuff, and I post not so serious stuff. Yeah, if, if you want to join the meetings, there's there's a link to join the meetings as well. So um, it's handy as well if, if you've got questions about what we're discussing. It just gives you the opportunity to just, just to post stuff into the comments. We'll pick them up, um, we'll read them, and we'll discuss them in the meetings. So if you want to get involved, then join us. Thank you, Craig. Then we have a lot of resources at BuddyC.org, including a daily uh, Dow devotion that uh, we're putting together and some of them are sound very good, and some are fortune cookie-ish. With time, we'll be able to uh, weed out the fortune cookies. So we'll just see what happens. But we've had some that were just really good. I was just so so grateful when I read some of those and others. I'm just going to totally scrap. So, um, matter of fact, the one today I really liked. Trust the process, Don M actually did the art for both the devotions and for the powerless but not helpless book. Thank you, Don. Did a good job. The quote, I must stop resisting my addiction for recovery to work. That's from the 36th verse. The thought, I was told in recovery to trust the process. For me, this meant finding a sponsor with what I wanted and doing what he did. I had to stop thinking and just take the next instruction I was told, whether I thought it would work or not. This meant continuing my working of the steps and applying step six and seven to more of my life. One day I realized I was behaving differently. As a result of working the steps, my nature was changing without the excessive effort I thought was necessary. My effort was in working the steps, and I naturally started changing. An affirmation I had associated with this, place an affirmation with each of these. So it's something you could use in meditation or in a as a prayer of some type if you wanted to. I want to be free. Help me today to trust the process. Bring to my attention ways I still resist. So that that's an example. You guys can go to buddyc.org, look in the top right corner of the homepage, and there's a link there to sign up for the Dow Devotion. Anything else, guys, before we start? Yeah, I really like that that reading. I can't change necessarily by putting my attention on changing. I put my attention on working the steps doing the next right thing, and the change happens. Like, I can't force myself by putting my attention on being humble because then I'm not humble. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like you can't force an apple tree to produce apples. You just 
take care of the apple tree that that allows it to produce apples. You can't make that happen. You do other things, and that's you know that's the result of the fruit. And I I kind of think of that the same way. Our recovery is the fruit of taking the right actions. Yeah, I felt like I needed to. I, I was in a meeting. I was going, I just don't know how you people are talking about letting go. How how do you let go? You know, I'm work. I'm letting go as hard as I possibly can. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy next to me said, you know, I found that letting go isn't about bearing down. It's about releasing. And that didn't make any sense, but it does now. The last, last time we met Don, it was on um, Shane's podcast, um, just at the start of COVID. And that was the one thing that you said that I've ever remembered. I'm letting go as hard as I can. Everything you've ever let go of has got nail marks on it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, verse 7 of the Wentza. Let's just read this and talk about it as we go. Would that sound okay with you all? I wasn't going to read the whole thing, but there's a lot here. And then we can bring in any verses of the Tao Te Ching that we want to. Does that work for everyone? Mm-hmm. Okay. Lao Tzu said, when people lose their essential nature, or that when people lose their essential nature by following desires, their actions are never correct. To govern a nation in that way results in chaos. To govern oneself in that way, results in defilement. Comments? Defilement would mean the action of defiling. No, I don't want to know that. I hate it when you get those definitions. Uh, Spoiling, impairment, pollution, that's defilement. So if we're following our desires... The result is spoiling our lives, degradation, uh, impairment, all those things. So, corruption. Corruption. Thank you, Don. Corrupting our Following desires. So, this whole, what I got out of this whole verse is the error of following our desires. And they just keep talking about that in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think it's more of that when we're when we're led away by our desire, um, really we're making life all about us. Mm-hmm. We, we can't see the next right action. I'm just going to talk more about that, Craig. What you got, sir? Yep, so desire pops up quite a bit in, in the, the actual Tao translations, even from the, the first. The Stephen Mitchell translation says, free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in desire, you see only the manifestations. Yeah, My manifestations. Like, so the, the manifestations I see are the things that I want, not what things actually are. So I think the goal here is to be free of desire. And, you know, desire interferes with your acceptance, too. That's something that we've been talking about. I've been, Dennis and I have been discussing that some, uh, talking about how our expectations really work against us in uh, with our acceptance. And that those desires really uh, 
really hinder us. Uh, I was looking for some more of those, Craig. Here's one talking about the master. The master, this is verse three. The master leads by emptying people's minds and filling their pores by weakening their ambition and toughening their resolve. He helps people lose everything they know, everything they desire, and creates confusion in those who think that they know. Could that be the uh, corruption that we were talking about? Well, it goes on in um, verse seven as well. It says the Tao is infinite, eternal. Why is it eternal? It was never born, thus it can never die. Why is it infinite? It has no desire for itself, thus it is present for all beings. And yeah. we, can relate, we can relate that to working the steps and, and carrying, particularly step 12, um, when we're carrying the message and, and helping people um, in the role of sponsors. I have no desire for myself as a sponsor, um, you know, it's, it's, it's purely there. <laughs> I was going to say, I have, I have no desire as a sponsor. I just want the sponsees to do the best that they can do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, but you're free from selfish desire. I think that's the main that's difference. It's, 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 not, it's not a desire for myself. I mean, there's the, I think it gets rid of the ego. We, we learn in step one, you know, this is, this is really what I need to be doing is, is breaking down that ego and getting rid of it and just starting to be of service. I think once I'm being of service, that desire for the, um, for the spotlight to be on me very quickly goes away. I'm now at the stage where I, uh, in, in all the groups that I'm in, I've actually taken a big step away from the, from the limelight of a lot of the groups. I step back and I'm, I'm more in the background just cheering people on, clapping them, bringing up, the, bringing up all their achievements and, um, and helping them on a one-on-one on one rather than through the big groups. How about this one, guys? I can throw some Bible in on this one. This is James talking about temptation. But people are tempted when their own evil desire leads them away and traps them. Yeah. And this eventually brings death. So basically saying the same thing. This guy uh, was writing um, as a war strategy kind of a guy, right? He was law too. Well, um, also personal governance too, Chris. Uh, so, so it's both. And we actually know that in this one. I'm not stretching that for this one because it actually says in that first uh, little paragraph to govern oneself. So right. most right. everything we talk about has at least two applications, like most everything. You know, it's like the traditions in AA. They've got a personal application and a group application. We find mm-hmm. personal applications in all the traditions. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of the same thing, I think. Yeah, I was just trying to go through a list of desires in my head that, that would, you know, would sort of appeal. I can imagine a desire for a leader would be to, you know, amass a big army or something, or to, you know, I don't know there's any number of, um, and of course, um. The one I keep thinking about is sensory desires, right? You want uh, the biggest TV set um, or uh, the biggest house or, I don't know, whatever. 
And uh, so I that's think that's what pointing to, Chris. I think he's yeah. I think he's pointing to those things are the those kind of desires corrupt us. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the yeah. things that we need to look out for. And for a government, it would be the the trappings of money and power. I'm sure. You know, all of those things. We could go in a million directions there with all kinds of, you know, all kinds of examples. Let me read a little further. Therefore, those who do not hear the way have no means of returning to their essential nature. Those who do not understand things cannot be clear and calm. Doesn't say that, uh, it just says they can't hear the way. Not that the way is not being spoken <laughs> or it's not there. They just can't comprehend. They're not aware of it, right? Kind of like our 11th step. What, what do we pray for the knowledge of his will, not pray for his will to be done? That's not what it says. It says for the knowledge of his will. I, I believe that this divine will is happening all the time. I'm, I'm just can't hear it at times. I think that's the issue. Uh, interrupt me. I'm just going to keep reading a little more when y'all have something. The essential nature, you know, that's what it's pointing us to is the essential nature. That's the way it talks about how, you know, our Tao nature, our Buddha nature, our God nature. Uh, The essential nature of the original human being has no perversion or defilement. But after long immersion in things, it easily changes. So we forget our roots and conform to a seeming nature. Okay. This seems to be our nature, but it's really not. Don't, you know, it's, I wonder if that's not the same idea as like uh, children are born pure. And yeah, exactly. We're taught to, we're, we're taught to, judge other people and compare ourselves to other people and we're taught that some people are bad (laughs) Uh, I I was thinking I was talking with a a sponsee this morning we were talking about how different AA's message is from the way the world normally operates which is uh, I've taken business classes and and workshops and it has been about envisioning the future and make it happen to, if if I want something to happen, I'm responsible to envision it and create it. So I'm the creator. And that is absolutely the way I lived. It's the way I lived in personal life and in business. I felt like I had to, you know, I had to build my business and it was a lot of work and I had to bear down on it. You know? um, and, and learning the steps coming into AA, what I learned was to let go of all of that and simply be available to what my higher power puts in front of me and respond to it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing that with a, you know, with a clear conscience and always, you know, trying to, to do the best that I can do, 
it will work out. And, and it's been that way ever since I got sober, slowly but surely. But it's the opposite of the cultural message to create the future. And instead, you know, I'm living, being available to the present. You know, Don, I wonder in looking back how much our excessive effort really helped or we just finally, we were still, now we're doing, maybe doing the same thing that we were doing then without all of the the push. The results would have maybe been the same. For example, for me, a couple of years ago, I was thinking, well, if I ever, if I need to go back to work, there's only one thing that I could probably do other than do real estate, and that's run title because of all my experience with all those things. Um, so there's no mistake that last year when I moved over, the one guy I knew that went to meetings in Rome was a real estate attorney. The one guy that I went to meetings with that asked me one time last year to share my story, he asked me at their at the home group that I ended up joining at Third Street in Rome, Georgia. No mistake that I asked him, did he ever need anyone to run title? And he said, well, yeah, my wife is taking a job in a couple of months and I don't have anybody to run my title. And really. So it's more of that just standing on what is already moving, like you're talking about, just observing. And OK, now that's worked into a job that I needed, you know, and when I needed it, it showed up. So, you know, that it's that kind of thing that you're talking about, I think, Donna. And that's that's such an easier way to live than thinking I had to push and strive and make everything happen. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Dennis, you have something? You had your hand up. Yes, yes, I do. I fall out and then it says that my bandwidth connection is, is low. I don't know what that means. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to close. I'm going to turn off the video. That'll help. Okay. Yeah, try that. That works. So um, it's very interesting because I think our seemingly nature is, is kind of what the uh, – what Freud explains in that we are always seeking our um, we are always seeking our desires or our uh, our pleasures, what makes us feel good all the time, right? And and that's kind of what you guys were touching on. We 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 <laughs> we are known to work hard for, for for getting what we want, right? So our that is our seemingly nature. I think there's there's produced by our ego. And, and the conceptual mind that they, oh, this, this is the world I need to be in, but there's so not any peace in that. So I have to, to, to learn to, uh, to let go or, 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 or go back into that gap in between the thoughts where the peace really is in the emptiness. And, uh, and, and, and it, it can, it sounds so, so simple, but it's so hard to master. Um, but I think that's the seemingly nature where we think it. it we, we think that when, when I feel good, then everything is good. But it has to do with my feelings is is is, is met, right? By and, and for me now, when I don't drink or anything, I love to consume candy or or something else that gets a relief of endorphins, makes me feel good, or or good days of work in the yard where I can see the progress and all that. It makes me feel good, right? That's the seemingly nature that I think it is, but it's it's not the real peace and joy there is in, in just being in this present moment. Thank you, Dennis. You know, it, I think our essential nature is a lot like a child's nature. Um, 
I mean, when my kids were three and four, I didn't walk in and say, okay, guys, daddy doesn't have any money. Y'all are going to have to figure out how what we need to do to have food on the table tonight. I didn't do that. My children just depended on, you know, my daughter would say, well, just go go to the machine and get some more money out. She had no idea where it came from. Yeah. Just go and get some when you need it, you know. <laughs> I was like, honey, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but it's that dependency. I think it's that moment-by-moment moment dependency that we're talking about. Craig? I was thinking about the humility side of it as well, because we, we all have to – we all have a living to make. We all have to provide. We all have to earn money. We have businesses to run. We have an involvement in different businesses. You know, we we have so much to do on a moral basis with, with the family. But I think it's doing it with the humility and not putting it all out there. You know, look at me. I'm doing all this. I'm doing that. It's coming. Do what you need to do, and then letting go of it, and then start over again tomorrow. Yeah. It's not no effort. It's an effortless kind of effort. It's the woo way, yeah. It's the effort without uh, the selfishness, dishonesty, and resentment. Because, you know, what I did uh, was I was just protecting my fears. I, I didn't know how to live. I, every action I took was a, a fear-based action. I was afraid I was going to go to broke, so I worked harder. <laughs> I was afraid I wasn't going to get something I wanted, so I took action to to get it. All that that kind of thing. Anything else? I'll read a couple more. So the essential. Do what, Chris? Do, do we really believe that um, the essential nature of uh, humans is is so pure um, that it wouldn't have desire? Is is that what we're saying here? What, what, um, what I'm in, what I'm seeing, Chris, is not that we, we have to define desire. What are we talking about when we say desire? Okay. Uh, what Dennis said was it feel makes you feel good. Well, the how I see that is it's uh, the selfish desires that we have. It's uh, all the ways that we're well, all the ways we pacify our fear. Our selfishness, our dishonesty, our resentment, all the desires that are fed by those things. Um, that's what I say. It's like, uh, you know, defining uh, hope, you know, because we've talked about hope before and that hope's as hollow as fear. And some people, you know, and then you, if you look at hope one way, you say, oh, my God, that's not right, because I had hope when I came into recovery that it would work for me. But yet, if I'm hoping things are going to be different. That's a form of desire, and it's going to take my peace every time because that's expectations. I can't uh, have acceptance if I'm full, if I want everything to be different. It's not there. So that's, I think that that's the way I see it, Chris. Now, there are some desires, though, that are, that are innate, you know, and that are, are necessary for survival. And, yeah, I think the big book talks about this a little bit. It says, "Oh, that's like those, I was saying." Yeah, yeah. It's not all desire. You got to look at what you're talking about here. It's not that yeah. if I desired nothing. Now there are some things I desire, of course, but if I'm filtering those desires, maybe through a, a filter of love, I can see what desires I really need to pursue and which ones I don't. 
I wonder if, uh, you know, Bill talks about instincts out of proportion. And Mm -hmm. that's where our problem is. It's not the instincts, but it's when they're out of proportion. And alcoholics love to get them Mm -hmm. out of proportion. (laughs) Like to get everything out of proportion. And it's, Edward, if that's not the same with desires out of proportion. Right. Yeah. Have some. It's nothing wrong with, with children. You know, a child will desire something to eat, but that doesn't, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's this uh, out of proportion business. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah, thank you. It's also like Maslow's hierarchy as well. Since he touched on this a couple of weeks ago, talking about you have your basic needs of life. You have the things that you you need to provide for as a minimum. So like um, somewhere to live, clothes, food. Uh, And then after that, you have the, the bigger desires like, you want to trade the, the old banger in the drive for a nice fancy Ferrari. Well, the old house no longer looks that good if you compare it to your friends. So you want the bigger house. I think that's really when the wants and needs start to start to flip themselves. And, and I think Don Spawn was saying, you know, we always want more. I didn't suffer from I, you know, a lot of my a lot of my, my my issues came from just wanting more. And the more I had, the more I wanted. And what do we learn when we come into recovery? Well, if you if you want to uh, get rid of this obsession that you have, quit thinking about yourself and go help someone else with theirs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I, re- I remember being in a meeting and um, we were talking about finances, and that was my that, that was my next thing. That was the next thing that I was fixating on was was finances. And somebody says, "Well, why don't you just give it away?" That's an awful southern accent, Chris. You need to stop that. <laughs> I about fell off my seat. I was like, what do you mean give it away? And that's what I had to do. And you know what? The, the freedom from that from that obsession, because mm-hmm. I, I did what was I did what was suggested. My wife was delighted because she was the one that I gave it to. <laughs> but it works. Uh Dennis, what do you have, sir? He must, he must have stepped away while he's having oh. internet. Okay. So it's a matter of sort of controlling our desires or um, learning to moderate them um, in some way. Although we can't control drinking, uh, maybe, you know, we're still tasked with controlling others, I guess. It's surrendering those things, Chris, just like surrendering alcohol. I think the way I look at it now. Yeah. Uh, instead of it just being lump desires, what's the desires that you're thinking of? And let's talk about them and see if they how they how that would apply if you have something mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. Thank you. Um, next uh, stanza. Therefore, sages. This is after the part uh, that said the essential nature of water. Oh, we didn't read this, did we? Okay. The essential nature of water likes clarity, but gravel pollutes it. The essential nature of humanity likes peace, but habitual desires damage it. That's the, that's the kind of desires we're talking about, Chris, are habitual mm-hmm. desires. Mm-hmm. Only sages can leave things and return to self. So as long as we're holding on to those habitual desires, we can't return to self. We can't turn that light around and look within. Therefore, sages do not use knowledge to exploit things. 
and do not let desires disrupt harmony. When they are happy, they are not overjoyed. When they grieve, they are not hopelessly distressed. Thus, they are not in danger even in high places. They are secure, secure and stable. That, that sounds like that the goal was acceptance. It was about acceptance, not about arranging life so everything's easy for me. It's about accepting the moment for what it is, right? Hmm. I've always, uh, I, well, all of these concepts I bristle at initially and then have to go, oh, maybe it's right. The idea of letting go of desire means what am I going to do? Am I just going to sit around and, <laughs> you know, and not do anything? I'm not going to accomplish anything. Why is that bad? But that's not what it's saying. And the, oh, shoot, I love, there was something that you read at the end. Oh, and excitement. Like there's a place in the big book where it talks about being in less danger of excitement. I was just going to look it up, but I didn't. So I could actually act like I was quoting the big book, but the, <laughs> that's a desire to be knowledgeable. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. And the, the, I want to be a sage, but, <laughs> but the, uh, I've always bristled at that in danger. We're in less danger of, uh, of excitement because I love excitement. And when the Tao talks about the same thing, it's like, ooh, we don't, you know, we don't want to be too excited. Or it says excited, right? So I bristle with that. I understand that it's out of, it's when it's out of proportion. But I, my first impulse is always to bristle. That's page 88, Don. I, I, I had to word search it to find it. I didn't, I couldn't quote it either. Uh, Amy could have told you that without searching it. Yeah. As we go through the day and we pause, as, as we go through the day, we pause. When agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action, we constantly remind ourselves we're no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. Notice it didn't say we're in danger of drinking, right? We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. So isn't that yeah. like, um, at least in the Tao, it says on seven... Um, it talks about being aligned. No, it wasn't seven. It was a uh, 23 that I was reading earlier. If you accord with the Tao, you become one with it. If you accord with virtue, you become one with it. If you accord with loss, you become one with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you notice there in that, in the stands in the Winsa that we read, it, it just says that only it says that only the sages can leave things or let go. 
and return to self. You know, that's the whole point is no matter what situation we're in, we don't let it take us off into these extremes. I think that's the whole point. But it's remembering that at the time. <laughs> yeah, for real, Craig. It's usually after the fact, right? Well, this is the way it works for me. After the fact, I either realized that I did it wrong and let whatever it was carry me off, or someone else will mention to me that how I behave differently than what I would have used to behave. Normally, I don't notice it as much when I behave correctly. I don't know why that is. I usually think I can get away with it and make amends later. That's being carried away, Craig. You're still carried off, man. But it does get easier. I mean, still, sometimes certain things will take me totally by surprise, and I'll find that I'm completely mm-hmm. invested in, in bad behavior. <laughs> but, um, but more often, if I am actually practicing, so I, for me, it's been doing my morning prayer and meditation, and it and it says it says in that that to ask God's will multiple times during the day. So what that is is letting go continuously during the day. And if I'm really practicing that and and re- returning to that frequently enough, then it becomes easier to catch myself sometimes before I actually act. Yes. I find myself driving along the road and somebody cuts me off and I wind the window down. I'm like, that's not God's will. He didn't design that for me today. Get back. <laughs> I usually find it's the smaller things that really set me off rather than the big things. I can handle the big things, no problem. I think it's just the small, seemingly insignificant things that you don't expect in life. That's that's, that's just like chucking the grenade and then just sets me off. I don't know if anybody else has the same... What do you think that is, Greg? Here we go. Well, Don mentioned something about morning prayers and meditation. (laughs) Well, you know, I was, I had, I was talking, so I started practicing meditation and I talked with a uh, a therapist who, who does, who's a Zen guy. And I was talking about like I had discovered a place where I am letting go and I'm breathing, but I, there is like this one little place that I just can't let go. I can feel it. like, And what it is is a little anxiety. And it bothers me that I've been practicing and practicing for so long and I can't, you know, so that will come up. And, and how can I, can I do that? How can I do it? And he said, that's not a problem. That's your check engine soon light. That just means right at that moment, that's the time to let go as soon as I feel that. So that feeling of anxiety is in that I get in the pit of my stomach is means, oh, right now, this is when I need to, do, for me, say a prayer and give it away. Surrender. Accept the fact that you have some anxiety, and I've got to even accept that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. Yeah, because meditation doesn't get rid of anxiety. It's it's meant to let you face it. 
right? Yes. See, that's the thing with all of this, Chris. Uh, we're learning how to turn that light around so that we can more easily see what's there without running yeah. from it, you know? Yeah, get out of the, yeah, get out of the glare and let it light the path. Yeah, yeah you know, and then we realize that it's not all that we thought it was. We thought it was mm -hmm. all these boogeymen, and it's not. Yeah. I'll read a little more. So immediate planning on hearing good words is something that even the ignorant know enough to admire. Lofty action in accord with the virtues of sages is something that even the unworthy know enough to look up to. But while those who admire that are many, those who apply it are few. And while those who look up to that are numerous, those who put it into practice are rare. The reason for this is that they cling to things and are tied to the mundane. And is that not truth? That's what we do. That's desire, Craig. Uh, Chris, Chris, that is, I think, a definition of desire. Clinging to things and tied to the mundane. How much of the things that I desired were really not things that would benefit me at all? The mundane. Yeah, but I couldn't. I, I, I didn't. I wouldn't consider them mundane. But in hindsight, in hindsight, yes, but so important at the time. All right, I'll keep on reading. Therefore, it is said, when I contrive nothing, the people evolve on their own. When I strive at nothing, the people prosper on their own. When I enjoy tranquility, the people correct themselves. When I have no desires, the people are naturally plain. Now, I think this is, now we're going to talk about the personal application, Chris. Clear serenity is the consummation of virtue. Flexible yielding is the function of the way. Empty calm is the ancestor of all beings. Like that essential nature that we were talking about. When these three are put into practice, you enter into formlessness. Formlessness is a term for oneness. Oneness means mindlessly merging with the world. So that's where Craig's at, where we're all trying to get to, right, Craig? Mindless part, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the, if you go as it is, Chris, is that that's what happens when we no longer cling to things and are obsessed with the mundane. Things start getting clear for us. And it's interesting. It says clear serenity is the consummation of virtue. In other words, uh, the whole focal point of virtue, love, loving kindness, all those things, is that clear serenity, is that peace that we're looking for. It didn't say ultimate happiness. It said clear serenity because we can have peace when things are not good. We can have peace when we may not be necessarily happy. If we look at verse 37, it says, Thou abide in non-action, yet nothing is left undone. If kings and lords observe this, the 10,000 things would develop naturally. If they still desire to act, 
they would return to simplicity of formless substance. Without form, there is no desire. Without desire, there is tranquility. And this is the way all things would be at peace. Thank you, Craig. Disbursement of virtue is not overbearing. He's talking about the use of love, the use of virtue is not overbearing. Use of it is not forced. You don't see it when you look at it. You don't hear it when you listen to it. It has no form, but forms are born in it. It has no sound, yet all sounds are produced in it. It has no flavor, yet all flavors are formed in it. It has no color, yet all colors are made in it. I put that down as a description of love. That verse is a description of love for me. It's not overbearing. Go go ahead, Don. You know, that sounds to me like a description of higher power. Yes. No name that I put on it will describe it. It's bigger than all of that. It is, and all, and everything is contained in it. So, I love the idea of dropping all names, dropping forms, and to uh, to a. When I can feel that, then I—that's when I feel most connected to nature, and to God. That's it for me. Is connecting to the. And connected to you and connected to each other, you know? Yeah, to, to, to all. It's right there. And read, can you read that again? The, it is not the part where it's what it's not, but it's contained. It's not overbearing. Use of it is not forced. You don't see it when you look at it. You don't hear it when you listen to it. It has no form. But forms are born in it. It has no sound, yet all sounds are produced in it. It has no flavor, yet all flavors are formed in it. It has no color, yet all colors are made in it. The next stanza goes with that. So being is born from non-being. Fulfillment is born from emptiness. There are only five musical notes, yet the variations of those five notes are so many as to be beyond our power to hear. There are only five flavors, yet the variation of those five flavors are so many as to be beyond our power to taste. There are only five colors, but the variations of those five colors are so many as to be beyond our power to see. Let me read this next one with it. In terms of sound, When the first note is established, the five notes are defined. In terms of flavor, when sweetness is established, the five flavors are determined. In terms of color, when white's established, the five colors are formed. In terms of the way, when the one is established, all things are born. I know you're a musician, Don. Is there really only five musical notes? Explain that to us. I went away, yeah, I went right away with that, but you know i and five colors you know i there are different systems, and I wonder if you know there's different systems of dividing up the musical scale 
And uh, so there's different different systems. But you could say five. You could divide it up into five as easily as not. Okay. And the same is true with color. You know, I recently read that the Romans did not have a name for the color red. It wasn't one of the colors. Really? Yeah, it was it it was included in brown. It was it was not differentiated as a separate color. So which is like, you know, any color is a spectrum and what color it is if you look at the color teal, is it blue or is it green? So we would just put a name on it. That's quite interesting, considering that red was, isn't red a primary color? Yes, it blew my mind. And didn't they have red capes or cloaks? No, it wasn't that they didn't use red. I know, but I know it's, it's, it's interesting that they didn't have a color, they didn't have a name for it. It was just called, it was lumped in. Was so if, if bright brown, yeah. that might have been bright brown. Yeah. So if, if one of them was going off to war and it, it says his wife says, "Give me my cape," she says, "What one? <laughs> this one? No, the other one. That, that, that one. The, the other color. Don't what color." You know, now that I think about it, it might not have been red. It might have been. It wouldn't have been blue. But I think it was red, though. I'll have to look that up. Let's go with red. Yeah. <laughs> but this, it, it's surprising how that could be so different. They certainly didn't have the color wheel that we understand. I'll read the last little paragraph. Therefore, the principle of oneness applies everywhere. The vastness of the ones evident throughout heaven and earth is totality solid like an uncarved block. Its dispersal is total as if in a suspension. Though in suspension, it gradually clears. Though empty, it gradually fills. It is profound as an ocean, broad as the floating clouds. It seems like nothing, yet it exists. It seems to be absent, yet it is there. Definitely a description of a higher power, I think, Don. Mm -hmm. What are y'all, any comments on that, guys? I guess the whole point would be what's keeping us from seeing this. what is it? The personal application would be back up to that second uh, stanza. What is it that's preventing us from hearing the way? You know, that's the application. How am I still uh, deaf to this? How am I still blind to what the way is? How am I not seeing it? What, what is it? What desire is it that's standing in the way? What am I clinging to? What unimportant thing am I clinging to that's keeping me from seeing the way? Craig? 46 says there is no greater sin than desire, no greater curse than discontent, no greater misfortune than wanting something for oneself. Therefore, he who knows that enough is enough will always have enough. What verse is that? That was 46. That was a Gifu Fang. Okay. Am I blinded by my own desires rather than the needs of others? Your microphone's going in and out. We're losing the first couple of words of everything you're saying. So could you repeat what you just said? I've forgotten. It's a senior moment. 
<laughs> I said, are my desires blinding me for everybody else's needs? Yeah, how do we how do we allow virtue to bring about that clear serenity that we're looking for, right? Does it go back to humility? What, Craig? Does it go back, back to, to humility? Back to humility, yeah. Well, what does humility mean to you? What is what is your definition of humility? Definitely being the humblest person in the room. I mean, that's, you know, that, that has to. <laughs> Not taking credit for a gift. Just just doing things for, do, doing things because I can. Um, for other people. No. Not doing it from not doing it for my own gains. I've had enough of that. I've I've had I've had years of that, and I've actually had a lot more contentment by not putting myself out there. We, we spoke maybe about a month ago about living in the shade. And I think that's that's that, that's actually had a big impact on me in the past couple of months. Is just thinking about that. Do do I really need to be out there in the spotlight doing things for myself, or you know, should I just stick to being in the background and just? cheering everybody on and being there for everybody else and, and, and helping others to achieve what they want to achieve. And I, th- I, I, always go, I always go back to being a dad. You know, it's, I, I, love, I love my kids to bits. I want to do everything for my kids, but I need to let my kids live their lives and just kind of guide and nurture them rather than force them into something that, that I want for them. I think just letting people develop naturally and just just, just being there to guide them. Again, going back to being a sponsor, you know, helping people get through the first first 72 hours, the first week, the first months of, you know, navigating something that is, that's a massive change to our own lifestyles. Um, that's what I like about working with newcomers is the fact that they keep me, they keep me anchored in the fact that I was, I was there once rather than, becoming the crotchety old timer sat in the corner, you know, the, the bleeding deacon sitting there complaining about everything. I think staying relevant. And, and one of the things that came up in my fourth set was insignificance. I had this massive, um, this massive fear of insignificance. And I've actually, I've actually been able to work on that through humility because I stay relevant by helping people that are coming through the doors and people that are just joining groups. And um, again, just, just, just shining that light for them. Thank you, Craig. Anyone else have any closing comments? Yeah, the, I heard, he, come on, go ahead. I, I heard the, uh, a guy say in a meeting that humility was knowing the true source of my power, which is my higher power, which mm-hmm. is letting go. And I can't focus on humility. I need to focus on letting go. Well, when you realize that everything you have is a gift, it's not that difficult to to stop taking credit because how can you take credit for a gift? And, and to, you know, like insignificance, oh boy, I, I, I can feel that because I mean, I, I feel that because, but w- one thing that I did not know that I've learned in helping others in NAA is that there is no place that where I have felt in life that life has more meaning than in helping someone else listening to fifth step and have somebody share some awful thing they've been through and to be able to say, I've been there. I've done that. You don't have to be that person anymore. Follow this, these steps and 
you can live differently. There is a way. And to come out of there just like, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the aurora borealis is like, I just feel on top of the world. And I feel, and life feels meaningful. And I never, I don't care how much success I had in business. It wasn't the same feeling of life being meaningful as I get from helping others. Chris, do you have something? Thanks, Don. Well, I was just going to say that um, for me, humility is being totally receptive, totally open, sort of like totally accepting. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? Got one more Tao Te Ching verse. Uh, this is verse 13. The first two stanzas. Uh, this is the Gai Fu Fang. Accept disgrace willingly. Accept misfortune as the human condition. What do you mean by accept disgrace willingly? Accept being unimportant. I do not like that at all. Do not be concerned with loss or gain. This is called accepting disgrace willingly. You know, if I'm very quick when things are going good to say, oh, that's God doing for me, my humility. But it's also humility when I think things are looking bad or not the way I would like them to be, to have the same attitude of, oh, that's God doing for me too. Every art, if you didn't want to do the God thing, you can, well, every step is on the path. This step is just as much out of my control as the step when things were good. And it's seeming, the seeming good, seeming bad, you know, that whole thing, because as long as I've got those expectations there, it's going to hinder me from accepting the moment because I'm not, if I have that desire hooked to that clinging, like, like our Winsor verse talked about, I cannot find peace as long as I'm clinging. But once I stop clinging, there's peace there waiting on me. And the peace doesn't come from our situation changes. It comes from my acceptance and stopping the desire for it to be different, even if it's a situation that I don't approve of and don't like. Me liking it does not have anything to do with me being at peace. That's a difficult, that's a difficult uh, principle and concept for me to learn to practice justifiable anger. It's the hardest anger to give up. Hmm. Any closing comments, guys? Been a good conversation today. Thank you. AAGrapevine.org And you can find uh, the Grapevine podcast there. Uh, Great interviews. A little bit of comedy. You get some stump the thumpers sometimes. Stump the thumpers, yeah. Everything that you would want from a meeting, which is to laugh, to cry, and to identify. Yes, yes, good stuff. It's real good. Some great interviews too. The one with that Amy was on. Yes, Scott B was on it from our uh, nightly meeting, our nightly AA meeting. Anything else before we close? You guys have a great week, and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, 
daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.